Well, good morning. Let's pray. Father, again, we are grateful to be able to come and sit under your word, to learn, to expand in our knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, to make application of that knowledge to our lives in very real and practical ways with our families and neighbors and our callings. Help us, Lord, to be diligent and serious about this, but also full of joy as we consider that you have given us the blueprint and the directions for how to live and how to be blessed and how ultimately to be happy in Christ. So we commit this time to you now, especially in regard to the training of our children who we long to see walking with you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The Apostle Paul quotes from Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, and also from Deuteronomy 5.16, both of which are uh, repetitions of the Ten Commandments. And he says in Ephesians 6, 1 through 3, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. Deuteronomy 27:16 says, Cursed is the one who treats his father or his mother with contempt, and all the people shall say, Amen. The ultimate goal uh, and the central duty of raising our children uh, uh, it can be found in raising godly and respectable adults who are a pleasure to us and to others. That's the goal. Respectable adults who are a pleasure to us and to others, a blessing to us in the world. Remember, God promised Abraham that his children and his children's children would be a blessing to the nations, to the world. Such children are the result of careful cultivation. That cultivation involves us understanding what to do and how to do it. Honoring and obeying father and mother summarizes the entire duty of children. The Bible keeps things rather simple, as we'll see in other areas, but today, since we're talking about children, that's it. Children have one duty with two parts, honor and obey your parents. We're going to see that the implications of that are broad, but the duty itself is rather simple. And as parents, as we think about training our children, when we understand, we're going to need to understand what their duty is, we're going to need to understand what our duty is, what our goals are, and again, those are rather simple and straightforward, and if we keep those before us, it makes the minutia, it makes the daily decisions about what we're doing and how we're doing it and why we're doing it much more clear. These are the only direct commands given to children, per se, as a class in the Bible. Honor and obey your parents. And so the duty is simple, clear, and to the point. This should be for you as parents, and this should be for every child, every day, and in every circumstance. Now, we talk about the covenant, the covenant household. The covenant is simply another way of thinking about a government, a community of people that is governed by God's word, relationships, 
God's law governs husbands and fathers. So God has commands for husbands and fathers. It governs wives and mothers, and it governs children. That is, it sets limitations and gives directions. So Colossians 3.20, another iteration of this, children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. This is what brings order and happiness to a family and to covenant households. So the purpose of the godly covenant household is to see generation after generation brought to a place of happy submission, that is, coming under the mission. What's the mission? To fill the earth with godly children, to fill the earth with godly people, to expand the loving communion of the, of the Trinity. That's why he created us, and that's what we're doing with our families and our children. And, that, and so that's the goal, is, is to see this expand. And then brought to this place of happy submission to authority, to the law of God, resulting in self-denial, self-control, and maturity. Isn't that the picture of Jesus? Self-denial, self-control, and maturity. The giving of himself for others, that's who we are to imitate. And that's, that's the objective. The goal of this training is to overcome the natural tendency to, to be self-indulgent and whiny and irresponsible. That's our natural tendency. And when children learn to submit to God's authority, first represented by their parents, they're made then fit for service to God and to their neighbors. Love God and love your neighbor, the two great commandments. They become useful to God. They become useful to others. They learn how to love God. They learn how to love their neighbor, and they are also able then to be happy. Psalm 1, blessed or happy is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law, the law of the Lord. And his law, that is those limitations that God has placed upon us, in that he meditates day and night. He thinks about it continually. What does God want me to do? What does he tell me to do? What does he tell me not to do? Where does God want me to live? How does he want me to live? And so the first four of the Ten Commandments deal with man's obligation to honor God, but the fifth commandment, the fifth commandment requires children to honor and obey their parents, and at first glance this might seem odd. The state and the church are both, both much larger and in some respects more powerful institutions. Why aren't we commanded to honor the leaders of the state and the church? What is it about the family, this parent-child relationship, that gives it such preeminence? Well, the situation is even more curious when we consider the fact that God even attached the death penalty for serious violations of this commandment. Why? Because... When, the, when this is seriously violated, when children become rebels against their parents, thugs, if you will, then society as a whole is threatened. 
We see this all around us. The honoring and dishonoring of parents is not to be taken lightly. The obedience of children to their parents is as much uh, required of them as God expects his laws to govern, that govern their parents to be obeyed. So we're all under God's word. We're all under his law. His law is given not to oppress us, but because he loves us. The law of the Lord is perfect. And when we live within those boundaries and those directions of God, whether parents or children, we're happy, we're blessed. God prospers us. Now, I ask the question here rhetorically, do you have a problem with authority? I hear people say that, and uh, it's certainly true. Then that means you also have a problem with God. Romans 13, 1 and 2, Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. Eve had a problem with authority. Adam had a problem with authority. You and I have, a problem, have had a problem with authority ever since. Uh, in fact, we can go so far as to say our problem with authority is our primary problem. Liberalism is the political expression of this problem. We all want no limits placed on our individual liberty. I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it, and I don't want anyone else telling me not to. That's the fundamental problem for all of us, and it's certainly the fundamental problem of every child. Sin is the moral expression of this problem. We don't like God's law. We don't want God placing limits or controls on our conduct. Much of our cultural crisis that we're in today in identity politics and so forth has to do with people essentially saying, I want to be who I want to be. I will define myself, not God. Male, female, whatever. No one's going to tell me what to be or how to act. Children are born having a problem with authority. And this is why God gave parents to children and children to parents. To learn the necessity of submission to legitimate authority. To learn, the, uh, to learn this necessity of self-government under God. This is the first lesson that must be taught and learned by both the parents and the children. Remember parents, as we said a few weeks ago, you are the, we're not here to fix your kids in, in these lessons, we're here to fix you. If you do what God says to do, then your children will reap the benefits of that. But if you've got a problem with your children, then you've got a problem with yourself. So, he has delegated, God has delegated to parents the responsibility and authority, and authority to raise their children. This God-given responsibility and authority must be jealously guarded. There are many who covet it and will do whatever necessary to undermine parental authority. Throughout history, for example, the state has sought to usurp this parental authority. Plato spelled, it, spelled out the plan in his treatise, The Republic, 
Herein he describes the plans for the ideal state which would control the breeding of the best stock. When children are born, Plato says, the proper officers will take the offspring of the good parents to the pen or the fold, and there they will deposit them with certain nurses. The offspring of the inferior will be put away in some mysterious and unknown place. Plato's policy is still very much with us today. Plato's plan has changed very little over the ages. The notion that all of life must serve the ends of the state, the state, according to this view, not fathers and mothers, own the children. From cradle to grave, the state desires all power and authority for itself. And when parents abdicate their God-given responsibility and authority, and there are many new parents, then then there are many so-called new parents who are ready and willing to do the job for them. I remember taking an education class in college and one of the professors saying that uh, her only real complaint was that we couldn't get a hold of the children soon enough. She said, ideally, I would love to see professional educators stationed outside the doors of the maternity ward. That was a statement made in the classroom to about 40 prospective school teachers. So, in addition to the state, other satanic forces would love to own your children. I've told this before, but in the movie True Lies, an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, as he's walking through his living room with his cohort, uh, Tom Arnold's the actor, he just his children are watching television, and he tells them to turn the TV off, and they don't do anything. They don't move. And, uh, and Arnold Schwarzenegger says, I'm your father. And uh, Tom Arnold's character says, no, you're not. They're not your kids anyway. Axel Rose and Madonna are their parents. And I thought that was a very powerful and true kind of statement. Pop culture will gladly fill the gap for, neglected, for parents who neglect to do their job. Once the children have been removed from godly parental authority, uh, physical or, physically or culturally, the battle has been lost. The future belongs to whoever owns the children. And so I ask you, who owns your children? Is it the television or the iPad, the Internet, or some other influence in their lives? Or are you the one directing their steps. This is why the issue of Christian education is not a matter of indifference for believers. This may be one of the most neglected aspects of parenting. We'll give our kids a Christian education if we can, but there can be no ifs about it. You are responsible for everything your children are taught. You can't shift the responsibility to anyone else You can't say, well, we can't afford a Christian education. The truth is, you can't afford not to give your children a Christian education. The Scriptures require an absolute and unqualified biblical education. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, you you know the passage. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with how much of your heart? Every bit of it. All your heart 
with all your soul and with all your strength. That's you parents. That's the starting place. So if that's resolved, if Jesus is Lord of your life, if he's the boss, if he's the king, then what's going to flow from that? And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. And you shall teach them diligently to your children and talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes and you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. In other words, your entire environment, environment is to be saturated in God's Word, in thinking biblically and in instructing your children in that. Every circumstance, cleaning your bedroom, taking out the trash, responding to your parents, responding to your siblings, repenting of sin, being forgiven, uh, prayer, reading the Bible, going to church, having people over, interacting with the neighbors. We could go, every bit of that is to be brought under God's Word. And, and it is also to be from the heart, not just outward conformity. And so God has also given parents to children. He gave children to parents, but he gave parents to children. The fifth commandment, to honor father and mother, establishes the obligation of each person from the beginning of life to honor all legitimate authority. By honoring all legitimate authority, we honor the ultimate authority of God himself. And if a child learns to honor father and mother, then godly submission to all other God-delegated authority will flow naturally from that lesson. The destruction of parental authority is the destruction of all of society. The household is the child's first environment. It's the first government they live under, the first school, the first church. It's under parental authority that the child either learns or fails to learn law and order, duty, respect. And we'll say a good bit more next time about respect. Ultimately, parents are either honored or dishonored by their children when they leave the nest. Here, out in the world, on their own, with their own households, they will either bear good or rotten fruit. Proverbs 10.1, a wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is the grief of his mother. Proverbs 23, 24 and 25, a father of the righteous will greatly rejoice, and he who begets a wise child will delight in him. Let your father and your mother be glad, and let her who bore you rejoice. A child who rebels against godly parents throws away their inheritance. And I'm not just talking about financial inheritance. And I would note, parents, you should disinherit ungodly children when you can. They also forfeit the wisdom that godly parents offer. Proverbs 3, 13-15, Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding, for her proceeds are better than the profits of silver, and her grain than fine gold. She's more precious than rubies, and all things you may desire cannot compare with her. In other words, the greatest inheritance you can leave to your children is, a, is godly instruction and wisdom. Whether you have money or not or property, 
properties ruin many families. I remember some years watching a, ago watching a series the Biography Channel did on name brand billionaires. They did five of them. Every one of them, if you follow it out by the third generation, were utter disasters as families. They hated each other. Money had completely destroyed those families. Proverbs 4, 10, and 12, 10 through 12, Hear, my son, and receive my sayings, and the, years that, and the years of your life will be many. I have taught you in the way of wisdom. I have led you in right paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hindered, and when you run, you will not stumble. Proverbs 29:15. The rod and rebuke give wisdom, but the child left to himself brings shame to his mother. Charles Darwin and his followers have taught our world and taught our children that revolution is the key to progress. Parents are really primitive, or to put it nicely, old-fashioned. The evolutionary faith calls for a new generation, which throws off the shackles of the previous one by way of rebellion and revolution. Children, in the end, will either build on or overthrow the work of their parents. So how do you honor those who are in authority? Every one of us is embraced by the fifth commandment. Some of us hold superior positions of authority as parents or pastors, bosses, etc. And such, as such, honor and obedience is due to us only to the degree that we honor and obey God who gave us that authority. Ours is a limited authority. An authority wherein God sets the duties and the limitations of our respective positions. We are representatives or governors uh, of God's kingdom. We are not legislators except in a very limited sense. We, we may take you know, certainly God's laws and make particular applications of them in our homes, but we're not creating new things. And so as such, we too are subject to the laws of the kingdom. When we exceed the limits of our authority, we no longer have a right to rule. And so our legitimate authority extends only so far as God has appointed it. For example, children are to obey their parents in the Lord. No authority has the right to require those under them to disobey God. As the apostles would say after being warned not to preach any more of the gospel, they say we must obey God rather than men. While not all of us hold positions of authority, every one of us has parents and are under other legitimate authorities. The fifth commandment, first of all, then, establishes God's authority. As he appoints certain persons to positions of authority, he likewise appoints those who come under that authority. Failure to submit to legitimate God-ordained authority, as we read today in Romans, is rebellion against God himself. You can't disobey parents and elders and teachers and bosses or leaders of the state unless they are requiring you to sin without simultaneously disobeying God. And I would note this. Parents, when you are griping and complaining about teachers and pastors and the police and, and the governor, and you're, when you're undermining other authority in front of your children, then you're undermining your own authority. You're teaching your children, this is what you do with authority you don't like. You do an end run around it. You 
You trash it. You, you don't lift it up and uphold it. You don't pray for it. You complain about it. And so then that comes back to get you because you've taught your children because you're an authority. And then when they don't like what you do and what you say, then when you're not listening and when you're not around, they're doing the exact same thing in regard to your authority. God commands children obey your parents in the Lord. Why? For this is right. It's the right thing to do. Obey, Hebrews 13, 17, Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. Ephesians 6, 5-7, Bondservants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in sincerity of heart, as to Christ, not with eye service, as men-pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart with good will, doing service to the Lord and not to men. 1 Peter 2, 13 and 14, Therefore submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or the governors or to those who, sent, who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. The child is, and this is an important part of what I want to say today as we focus in on your house, but the child is to honor both father and mother. In other words, from the child's perspective and from a biblical perspective, there is no substantial distinction between father and mother when it comes to the duty of children. Both parents represent the same authority same authority. Father and mother are one, and children are to honor and obey both of them. I hear this too often about a child, a teenager, that's being disrespectful to their mother, but not, they wouldn't dare do that to father. That ought not to be ever the case, and fathers, that's your responsibility. A child should learn very, very early that to oppose mother is the same as opposing father. In fact, it should be even more so a problem. Husbands should demonstrate extreme support for their wives when it comes to insisting that children honor their father and their mother. The child should likewise be trained early that to oppose either parent is to rebel against God. Now, I'm going to say something I said already in one of the earlier lessons. Your children, if they're being disrespectful to you, and they're not being honoring, and that's the opposite of honoring, that's because you've let them, or you are letting them. It is your job to see to it that they don't. And the sooner you learn that, the younger you begin to teach that, the happier you're going to be and the happier your children are going to be. Because if they don't learn it when they're two, they're going to still be doing it when they're three and ten and fifteen, and it gets uglier and uglier and harder and harder to deal with. You're, the most important thing you have to teach your children is to honor and obey you in their attitudes, with their words, with their body language, and with their behavior. 
That is the issue at every point. At every, with everything they're told to do, the question is, are they responding the way God says to respond, or are they responding by stomping their foot or rolling their eyes or saying no or worse, hitting or cursing? I mean, we go on and on. That is not only unacceptable, that is a path that will lead to destruction, to misery in the moment, to misery in that household for years to come, and for a miserable life and multiple generations of misery. The sooner that lesson is learned, the happier everyone is going to be. And so... um, Parental authority is but a portion of God's delegated authority, and all authority belongs to God. Recognizing their respective positions in the covenant household, fathers and mothers must work together to train their children. I'm going to say more about this in some lessons coming up, but being on the same page and and learning to uh, work together is critical. Fathers must take the lead in establishing the household rules, the penalties for breaking the rules, along with the enforcement of the rules, and all of this is done as he himself submits to the Word of God. And I want to uh, add an important footnote here. That is always done with hearts that are turned toward the children. This is not iron-fisted, tyrannical rule. That is ungodly. God brings an indictment against his people at the close of the Old Testament because the hearts of fathers were not turned toward children. And he said, if that doesn't change, I'm going to smite the land with a curse. So as John the Baptist comes, the angel tells Zacharias, John's coming to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord and the hearts of the children to the fathers. If you, forget, if you don't win the heart, you've lost. You've missed the point. This is not about just outward conformity. You're bigger, you're stronger, you're tougher. You can can make people do things. But your, your job is different than that. You're to inculcate in them a heart that wants to do the right thing. Fathers then must take the lead. Mothers must be devoted to implementing and upholding those rules and penalties, they ought to work together in coming up with those. Remembering her primary duty is to help her husband in this mission of raising godly children. Fathers, you should listen to mothers. God gave you a helper because he knew you needed help. Not just help with the dishes. He knew you needed intellectual help. He knew you needed somebody that knew things you don't know, that has, has a perspective you don't have. And so you're called to listen to mothers. All the great men that I know, all of them, look up to their wives. She's not always right, but she is often right. Fathers are not always right either. When fathers and mothers do not work in harmony here, the results in the children are always bad. The home can be a stressful, ugly, and unhappy place to be. Honoring authority, though, is demonstrated in several ways. There can be no true honor if there is not first godly attitude, perspective, and emotion. Rebellion is first nurtured in the heart. It's the product of sinful pride. Nobody is going to tell me what to do. 
1 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, describes the general rebellious attitude of those who refuse to submit to authority. Jesus quotes the prophet Isaiah saying in Matthew 15, 8, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. Children must show and must be required by their parents to show respectful attitudes toward their own... Let me just pause and give an example. You tell your child to go clean their room or to do, take out the trash or do some task, and after you sternly have to tell them for the third time, they, they put a scowl on their face and they stomp over down the hall to go to the bedroom and slam the bedroom door as they go in there and you do nothing. Well, at least they're cleaning their room. You know what? I don't really care whether the room gets clean or not. You've got a much bigger problem. And if you miss that, if you don't see that, if you don't understand that that rebellious heart is the much bigger problem, you get that taken care of, the room will get cleaned. Now, you can make them clean their room. But if they're doing it with that kind of attitude and expression of, of disrespect, then it really doesn't matter. Um, you have to learn to see what the issues are. Um, parental authority must be honored and obeyed then in a number of ways. With a child's words, children must be trained to use appropriate language of respect when addressing or responding to their parents or to other adults. When a child is permitted to use disrespectful language or to ignore the adult who's speaking to them, that is a form of dishonor and disobedience. And that's, remember, the fundamental thing they have to do, honor and obey with their words. We also honor people with words of praise and encouragement. Children, I want to ask you, when's the last time you thanked your parents or told your parents or others in authority over you that you love them and appreciate what they do for you, and you're praying for them. That's your obligation. As my mother you know, would say sometimes, if I did something like that, she said, if you came up and thanked me for washing clothes at the house, I'd faint and fall on my face. Try it. See if you can get her to faint. Okay? Have you expressed gratitude and appreciation for those things that they provide for you. All legitimate authorities provide for those under their care. They provide protection, security, material things, affection, comfort, instruction. The Scriptures teach us that we're to pray for those who are in authority over us, which would also include our parents. Children honor their parents also by their actions. Submission and respect and obedience are demonstrated in what we do. I service alone is not sufficient to honor those whom God has placed in authority over us. In other words, just doing it to be seen. When we obey our parents and other legitimate authorities, we're not only honoring them, we're honoring God. And that principle is taught, again, in Colossians 3, when it says bondservants uh, should not do things just to be men-pleasers. We need to understand that God is always watching. He always sees us. And finally... Children honor their parents with their money. That's right. Parents are not the only ones in a family who are to be financially responsible for the other members of the family. When there is a legitimate need, children must honor their parents with their money, particularly as they get older. Jesus rebuked the Pharisees and the scribes for failing to honor their parents. 
and provide financial support for them as they grew older. Now, this is a commandment with a promise. The fifth commandment is honor your father and mother. It's the only commandment with a specific promise attached that your days may be long upon the land. Both long life and prosperity. Honoring parents in the Lord ensures family and societal continuity. Rebellion and revolution result in family and social decay and destruction. Wisdom, which comes from those older and wiser in the Lord, says, Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the post of my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. Biblical faith is generational in scope. Faithfulness at all levels, those in authority as well as those under authority, produce many generations of secure and prosperous people. Rebellion against legitimate authority always produces death and destruction. I want to just close with this interesting point. In Ephesians 6.1, where we started this lesson, listen carefully again to what Paul says. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. And I want you to pay attention especially to this last phrase, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. Paul changed something there. The Old Testament verses said that you may live long in the land, specifically the promised land, but now he is expanding this because the gospel has expanded from the promised land to the whole earth. The new covenant in Christ expands the promise to the entire earth. Any genuine hope for a future rest on the, on, on the, on the faithful uh, excuse me, any, pro, any genuine hope for the future rests on the faithful keeping the fifth commandment. So how have you been honoring those who have authority over you? We're not all fathers and we're not all mothers, but we are all children and we all have parents. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Are you pleasing the Lord? Well, we are to honor them, with our attitudes, with your attitude, your words, your actions, and even your money. Such authorities are blessings from God to you. You help yourself, you help your family, you help your church, and you even help the world when you honor your father and your mother. Lord, thank you for your word and for your instruction. Help us, Lord, to submit to you, to submit to your word in these matters in our families. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I've stopped five minutes early so we can practice a hymn that we're going to sing today, Psalm 29 on page 57, huh? Page 53 in the Cantus. We have sung this before, but it has been a while, and so we just want to sing through it once before worship service. You can stand while we sing there. Yes, please. <clears throat> 